and welcome to Film Festival Reviews, a place where independent filmmakers and film lovers stop by and listen in on conversations about films and festivals that are going on. This is Christina Kotlar, your host, and I have one more show that starts off with a Sundance point of view, and then we'll go on to other happenings within the documentary filmmaking world in this episode. We'll hear from Tom Powers, documentary programmer for Toronto International Film Festival, who was at Sundance and on one of the many interesting panels presented there. This one in particular included several other well-known documentary programmers who had an opportunity to demystify the process of submitting documentaries to festivals. I didn't attend that one, but I heard from other sources that it was very good. You know, a lot of Q&A and a lot of information coming out of there. He also has some interesting programming going on at the Manhattan IFC Center called Stranger Than Fiction, where in three 10-week series, so he's, he's doing like 30 presentations of documentaries, and he's able to pull together a lot of people from the New York City documentary community to come around, watch films, and, and hang out at the local pub afterwards just talking about stuff. It's a, it's a real documentary community event, and I guess I'm going to have to check it out on Tuesday nights at the starting at the IFC Center downtown. Then on March 12th, Tom will be co-hosting with me at the Kodak Theater, for the New York Women in Film and Television event, a case study on the making of a feature documentary. The film we'll be discussing and showing film clips is called Manufactured Landscapes, and it premiered last year at Toronto and has been nominated for this year's Spirit Award, which I voted for, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed. It's a film directed by Jennifer Bashwell, who follows a world-renowned photographer, Edward Burtinsky, as he composes his large-format photos that combine global social issues with a big, epic sweep. All right, so let's get started here and enjoy the show. start right here and Tom why don't you tell me how things went at Sundance from your point of view. At Sundance this year I probably saw about 18 films and all documentaries as my specialty. The one that I would single out is probably my favorite film there is Margaret Brown's Order of Myths about Mardi Gras in Mobile, Alabama. Margaret is originally from uh, Mobile and unbeknownst to me and I think many other people Mobile has the oldest uh, Mardi Gras in the country. So Margaret was going back and uh, and really doing a, an interesting exploration of race in Mardi Gras, in Mobile's Mardi Gras, because there's a there's an all-white Mardi Gras and an all-black Mardi Gras. And in the year she was filming, which I think maybe was 2006 or maybe 2007, there was kind of an interesting breakthrough of crossover between those two that, that she captured. I think that's interesting that you're saying that because that's my favorite. I saw that and I just enjoyed the way 
she was bringing it about. And there was a question I had whether that or not she knew about that slave ship. What I found that they discovered this during their filmmaking. Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Just uh, how much was discovery and, and how much Margaret went in knowing already because she was sort of steeped in that history. I think one of the things that makes it such a good film is that she has both an insider and an outsider perspective. I mean, she, you know, I think the community trusts her because she's of that community, but she's also, you know, spent enough time outside of that community that she, that she can see it with fresh eyes also. Well, one thing that that film points up is that unfortunately that film didn't get any awards at Sundance. And uh, even though, uh, you know, there are quite a few awards to be given out, director, film, editor, cinematography, I think, uh, you know, cinematography is outstanding in that film. And it's, uh, you know, it's that, it's the flip side of, of the positive experience of awards is that you can have 16 filmmakers in competition at Sundance and, you know, at the end of the day, 15 of them go home a little bit disappointed because they didn't win the uh, Best Film Awards. And there, there's always a tension with, with awards there. I mean, the awards can be very positive for, you know, certain films afterwards, but it, it's, you know, it, it, I don't know, there, there's a tension there is, I guess, the best I can put it. I know I spoke with Ellen Kuras before going out to Sundance about her film and I didn't see it at the time and then when I did see it I I love that one also. Yeah, that's uh, Narakund, uh, the portrayal. Extraordinary effort in that she's been filming it for following the story for 25 years of of this Laotian family who came over after the war and you know like many immigrant experience had a very difficult adjustment to New York and uh, she co-directed it with the, uh, the, the subject of the film, um, whose uh, name I won't even attempt to bungle here because it's a kind of long uh, Laotian name. But I'm, I'm sure that's a film that we're going to be hearing more about uh, later. What do you think of the rest of the, the documentaries overall? Did you see a trend well, coming out? or I think at Sundance this year we saw a lot of films with uh, with people explaining things to us. The, there's a lot of films where rather than observing a story, people are kind of, you know, taking us by the hand and, and explaining some, you know, kind of social issue. And uh, sometimes that can be effective. And, uh, but, I, but I did feel my overall experience after watching several of these films at Sundance was having been, you know, lectured to uh, a little bit. And, you know, maybe that's just a reflection of where we are uh, in, in our times now is that, you know, maybe, we, maybe this is a country that needs some lecturing too. But after a few experiences of it, I, I was ready for something fresh. I think that's why a film like Order of Myths stood out for me or another film, Trouble the Waters, which Trouble the Waters is about one family's experience of Hurricane uh, Katrina, unlike this sort of, you know, lecture film that I'm talking about, you've, you follow this family for, it feels like 18 months from their experience inside Katrina. They were still in the lower ninth ward with a video camera filming during the hurricane. And then you see what happens to them through the you know, experience of trying to put their lives back together uh, 18 months later. And it's, and by observing what ha what they go through and their incredible endurance and perseverance at um, 
uh, yeah. dealing with that adversity, uh, you you have, I think, a much richer understanding of what Katrina is than if you had some experts giving you dry information about the levees breaking. Yeah, I, it wasn't static. It was really just that, that kind of you're drawn into it. Yeah, in Trouble the Waters, one of the remarkable moments at Sundance off the screen was that woman who's the main subject in the film came to Sundance nine months pregnant because there was no way she was going to miss this experience after having been through the long process of making it. And uh, she wound up giving birth in Sundance on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, you, you, you couldn't <laughs> pile the metaphors on high You couldn't high plan enough. that any better. But there was a full moon going on during Sundance. Could be. So. And I think there were several people from the Order of Myths I did come for the Q&A. I, when I went to see the film, it was towards the end already, and I missed that. But I heard it was quite a catharsis for them. So when the audience were asking these questions. Uh, I think that's true. I didn't attend in the public screenings of Order of Myths, but I did uh, hear that, that the post-film conversations got quite lively and, and, you know, and sometimes heated. Yeah, so uh, you were on a couple of panels also. I did a panel at Sundance of documentary film programmers, uh, which is always a good experience because it's a chance for us to sort of demythologize the process of submitting documentaries to festivals. You know, one of the things that I point I try to get over in, in, in discussions like that is that there's... You know, different films have different trajectories in, into the world. Some of them are going to do great going through the Sundance route. And, and, and for some films, going the Sundance route, you know, is, is not always the, the best option. You know, sometimes they could do better at a smaller festival where they're going to stand out more. So that was a good opportunity to... Or sometimes a bigger festival like uh, Toronto Film Festival or through your own program. A Stranger Than Fiction. I want to ask you to tell me a little bit about that, but I just want to tell you that someone told me that you're the person that finds these documentaries that people should see. Well, you know, I do my best. And one of the happy byproducts of my job at the Toronto Film Festivals, you know, I watch a few hundred films a year. I can only show a small fraction of those at Toronto, but there's a lot of other quality films there that, you know, for one reason or the other don't fit into Toronto, but but I want to take the opportunity to, to showcase somewhere else. Uh, a good example of that was um, last week I showed a film called Sweet Dreams, an extraordinary documentary made in Providence, Rhode Island, set deep in the Italian-American community there by a young filmmaker in his 20s named Eric Latek. It's following two characters, a, uh, a boxer who's attempting to start a boxer's union, and uh, and a bookie. And Sweet Dreams played at the Full Frame Documentary Festival in 2006, and then kind of didn't get picked up um, anywhere else. The director lives in Providence, Rhode Island. He's not really part of the you know network of... Um, of the documentary community that exists in New York or Los Angeles or San Francisco or even Boston. So I don't think he knew how to, to you know, take the next step in getting his uh, film out there. I had such a good feeling about the film that, that I really wanted to show it Strange in Fiction. We made it happen last week. I wasn't sure at all what kind of reception it would get, whether 
So it was really kind of untested, besides having shown it full frame. I knew I liked it, but I didn't know if other people would share that opinion. And uh, happily, it had an overwhelmingly positive response, I mean, including one thing that happens in Strange in the Fiction is we pull together uh, a lot of people in New York's documentary community who enjoy getting together uh, once a week. and But that can also be a tough audience. It's people who are making films, um, so you never know what they're going to, how they're going to uh, react. But uh, I had filmmakers like uh, David Leitner, who's, um, uh, who produced a documentary and be shown in a few weeks for All Mankind. He was at Sweet Dreams. He loved it. I could hear his laughter during the, uh, during the film. Jason Cohn, who made Mandabala send a bullet that uh, won prizes at Sundance last year, he was there and said what a great uh, experience it was. So that was a sort of a peak uh, experience of, of being able to take a film that had been flying under the radar and uh, and bring it to an audience. So this is the program that you started how long ago? Strange in the Fiction started in fall 2005. I used to do about 16 weeks a year, and now I've expanded that to 30 weeks a year. So we do three 10-week programs. We're right now in the middle of our winter series, which happens every Tuesday at the IFC Center until March 11th. And then uh, our spring season will begin on April 1st, for 10 weeks, 10 Tuesdays uh, in a row. And each week we show a documentary. Sometimes it's a sneak preview of something that hasn't come out yet. Sometimes it's an older classic that maybe isn't out on DVD. And we always have the filmmaker there or a special guest to talk about the film afterwards. And, and then we keep the conversation going over at the Mineta Tavern, two blocks from the IFC Center. So. Uh, as I said before, it's a chance for New York's documentary community to come together, trade notes, commiserate on uh, what's happening uh, in, in, on their projects, and do a little networking and socializing. I'm going to have to come down. Please do. And then the next day, so this ends March 11th, and the next day you're going to be working with me on a, on a program for New York Women in Film and Television. That's right. Looking forward to that on March twelfth. Uh, and r remind us where that is. That's going to be at the Kodak Theater, and um, Eastman Kodak Theater. I think it's on West Thirty First, something like that. But I'll I'll make sure I have all the addresses. And it's the case study on the making of a documentary, a feature documentary. And I chose Manufactured Landscapes because I know last year was pretty tough for uh, a lot of the documentaries at the box office. For whatever reason, it's know. true. There, you know, there's there's more documentaries and more films, independent films, coming out than uh, ever before. And uh, and manufactured landscapes is, um, you know, is certainly the cream of the crop that that came out last year. It was it's nominated for an independent spirit award and uh, has you know gotten a lot of other recognition along the way. It's filmed by Canadian filmmaker Jennifer Beishwall. And she is following uh, an extraordinary photographer named Edward Bertinsky. Edward Bertinsky sort of specializes in taking these epic photographs, uh, still photographs. And in this project, he's looking at kind of third world industrial sites. So he's uh, filming a lot in China and uh, the shipbreaking yards in, in South Asia. And, you know, if you 
sort of think of his photography as kind of a combination between Sebastio Salgado and maybe Andreas Gursky, taking Salgado's social issue bent and Andreas Gursky's uh, big epic color sweep. So in Manufactured Landscapes, Jennifer Beishwall follows Bratinsky on this photography project. The other key creative figure here that needs to be mentioned is uh, her cinematographer, uh, Peter Mettler, who's uh, an extraordinary filmmaker himself. In fact, two years ago at the Toronto Film Festival, he was uh, the subject of the Canadian retrospective. And what's interesting about, one of the things that's interesting about the film is that you have two kind of photographic eyes at work. You have that of Edward Bertinsky, you know, making his frames. And then you have Peter Mettler looking you know, at the same experiences with, with a different eye. Anyone who's uh, read about this film or heard about it has um, probably heard of the first shot of the film. I think it's an eight or ten minute shot using almost a full reel of film. One continuous shot that sort of packs more information and more artistry than you know some entire films that were released last year. I know, I remember that shot and I'm, I'm thinking that could show the entire thing as a clip, you know. We show two or three clips, and then we discuss on the making of the documentary. And unfortunately, Jennifer is not going to be able to uh, come down here from Toronto, but we're going to access her and do this iChat thing, you know. So we'll be able to have her available for the Q and A. But I found fascinating. Edward Bertinsky started his photography in Frackville, Pennsylvania. Hmm, I didn't know that. In the in the coal mines. Oh, well, that uh, makes sense in a way. Exactly. Uh, the industrial landscape was changed there, but that's where he started, Crackville. Hmm. His uh, photographs are in museums all over the world. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this event on March 12th because Jennifer's extremely articulate, not just about the, the content of, of her films, but also the, the making of them. And this, uh, you know, this is a film that was shot on 16 millimeter in... Uh, you know, many different countries under, you know, rather difficult circumstances. So it's, you know, of, of all the films you could have picked to uh, kind of break down and, and hear about the making of them, I think you picked a really good one. Thanks. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be great. So uh, thank you so much. Very good. My pleasure. And uh, we'll see you soon. All right. There you have it. Afterwards, and this always happens, we still talk more about the different film festivals going on, like Berlin, which is happening right now at this time, and and Big Sky Documentary Film Festival coming up this weekend. I was there last year and really met some great filmmakers and programmers and just people showing up at Missoula, this wonderful town. So. When I was there last year, I said I was going to be back this year, but it's not the case right now. Well, there's always next year. Uh, Tom did mention a festival that makes his list of good festivals, and that's the True False Festival coming up quite soon. Check filmfestivalreviews.com for the festival calendar, and uh, also for the Nywift event, a case study on the making of a feature documentary, Manufactured Landscapes will be held on Wednesday, March 12th at the Eastman Kodak Company, 360 West 31st Street. You can RSVP online at www.nywift.org. See you there.
Thanks for listening.